Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast that bridges the gap between goal setting, science, and peak performance. I'm your host, Jamie Phillips, a former professional goalie, currently pursuing a doctorate in physical therapy and specializing in goalie performance coaching. Joining me as always is Dr. Ben Cernick, a seasoned goalie coach and sports analytics specialist. Whether you find yourself at home, on the road, or at the rink, grab a cup of your favorite beverage and let's drop the puck on this week's episode. Jamie, did you fight anyone on the internet this week? Did I fight? I was not on the internet a whole lot this week. I've decided that I'm going to go on the internet a lot less because, well, actually that's not true. I'm going to go on the internet a lot more, but it's for more of my content. Um, the problem is, is I, I, it's not like I'm looking and like looking over the bushes, like what are they doing over there? <laughs> it's just like, it pops up in my, my feed and I watch things and I'm like, well, one, this, some, sometimes this is like a really like actually objectively wrong. And other times it's kind of like, eh, I just don't like, I kind of disagree for these reasons. Very rarely is it like, oh, I like that. Um, so I just, yeah, I think I'm just going to stop that. Uh, just going to answer DMs, try to respond to comments, make my own content. That way my blood pressure will stay um, in the normal, normal range. Normal range. So I won't be free hypertensive. Yeah, we're a health promoting the <laughs> podcast here. Very health promoting. Did you fight with anyone on the internet today? Not that you do, usually do, but do, I'm not. On, I'm not on. I won't say it, but I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I'm not calling it. I'm not calling it X. Mm-mm. Um, no. I know that you sometimes go to war on Twitter. I have, gone, you, gone to, have you gone to war lately? No. You know what? A lot less. A lot less than usual. Good. Um, I mean, it's kind of not the same place it used to be. It's got. A, it's a lot less active place. Twitter used to be like a very, very good place to get information and learn lots from. And I know that's very nerdy, but everyone, you're listening to the Goalie Science podcast, so you signed up for this. Yeah, uh, sure. It's not as great anymore. It's disappointing someone's actually. It's almost like when someone buys it with the thought of turning it, buys it as a meme. It's not good for business. I don't want to point fingers. I would never point fingers. We don't point, point fingers. fingers. But it's almost like if you don't care about a product, it doesn't turn out too good and you lose $44 billion quickly. Nah. Nah. Who would have guessed a change? Project who would have guessed? Not us. Anyways, um, thanks for joining Goalie Science. Let's get back. Uh, ben is drinking a Starbucks, which means he must have had a lot of coaching today because that's a rich person drink. Uh, it's a 350 Americano right now. I'm living life on the edge. If you are watching on YouTube, so shout out to you guys. Uh, this is the last time I'm going to have this playing background because I have spent about 10 hours putting together the background uh, and I hope it looks good. Otherwise, I'm just going to throw it all out and then it's going to suck. But um, we wanted to do a QA. and uh, I've actually been stockpiling questions uh, just because I think every couple months we probably do a Q&A. Usually, usually the questions are always the same where it's like, I'm keep getting beat glove. How do I stop it? 
It's like, well, that is very nuanced, and we can't answer that. You should uh, buy a new glove. That's the yeah. problem. You should sponsor the Goalie Sides podcast. It's at, we actually come up, came up with a pricing structure before this. So if you do own a business and you are interested in sponsoring, uh, we have a pricing structure breakdown. We can email it to you, and it's very, very affordable. It's actually It's actually criminal how how affordable it is. But you run, if you want to get some, if you want to get some relatively cheap advertising to a very niche community, we appreciate all of you listening. Um, you know, but Jamie, let's get into the questions. I yeah. there was a couple that are gonna. Um, well, I vetted the questions, so I know what they are. Yeah. Well, I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm okay. This. So this one, I'm gonna kick off with you because you know this one, and you were like, "I want that question." Um, why can't a butterfly count be treated like a pitch count in baseball? Yeah. So this is something that comes up once in a while. It came up a couple times this week, but it's something that's been floated around in the hockey community for a while. It's something that I have floated around in years past. I have also floated it around. Yeah, like we've talked about this in the past before or something. There's a lot of right of barriers to this. One, just as an idea itself, let alone when you actually get into how you would monitor it appropriately. But I think the first and foremost thing when it comes to comparing butterflies to a pitch count in baseball is that pitch counts are isolated their game settings, right? It's it's designed for game settings and it's most applicable for tournament settings in youth baseball. So I played rep baseball growing up as a kid. So how we managed pitch counts was always a pretty significant thing, right? You're like, well, if this pitcher goes over 60 pitches, we can't use him tomorrow. So let's make sure, you know what I mean? That's how pitch count works. It's really, its intent is just to limit repeat bouts of maximal intensity throwing. Right? That's the design. We're going to reduce the amount of pitches in a game. Now, pitch counts are not perfect. It does not control for the amount of pitches a pitcher gets in a warm-up. It does not control for any of the pitches a pitcher gets during practice. It only identifies maximal game-throwing efforts. All right? So when people talk about a butterfly count, they always go to practice. We should limit butterflies in practice. You can already do that. It's really easy. Right? You want your goals to butterfly less. Make sure your team's practices are better. And if you're a parent who has a goalie um, on the team, just make sure that you're not, uh, again, make sure that you are not doing drills that are 19 shots in a row, right? Like that's one of the the things I'll, like, you know, like I watched a three, I watched a three man weed happen this week. It sounds like a lot of work to, you know, maybe structure practice a little bit better. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it is. It is. It is harder, right? But like, so, so again, when we say comparing a butterfly count to a, a pitch count, right? So now you want to limit butterflies in a game because that's what a pitch count would be, right? Like that's the one to one comparison. So it also does, and then so you're not going to do that, first of all, right? You also, unlike a, a pitch count where you know your pitcher is going to throw a number of pitches. Right? It's a little bit harder to plan for in a game for a goalie. It's like, okay, well, the goalie, you know, gets to their butterfly limit in the first period, you're going to pull them. Like they've done too many butterflies, so you're going to pull them. I think when most people talk about pitch count, they are referring to like the practice pitch count, which yeah. doesn't, you know, you said that like doesn't really exist in, in baseball, exist in baseball. In, 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 at least youth baseball. I don't know if it exists in major league. I'm not a baseball guy. I'll oh, be the but, first to admit it. No, pitchers have, again, if you want to, we talk about like periodization. So periodization is the planning of training and the planning of events throughout a season. That's what we mean by periodization. You look at professional baseball, they have a their routine down to a science to the point where they fly out. If you're a team that's playing in a different city the next day, they'll fly their starting pitcher out early to get to the next city. Like that's how diligent they are. They're like four days out, you're going to throw this many pitches. Three days out, you're going to do these stretches. Two days out, you're going to do this. Like that's how detailed they do it with pitchers. And so I think that, actually, I don't know if, if hockey gets to that point. It feels like maybe because we're kind of in the thick of it, um, it does seem like, I guess almost, we're almost, I mean, even though none of us are directly conducting any goalie research, it seems like we're trying to like push some, I mean, you are stats wise, but like you're not, but it's stats wise. That's not true at all. We have just finished collecting goalie research. True on what? Which one? We have training load research on goalies coming out. Oh, training load. Yeah. But I, I guess like in terms of like 
we're looking at the structure of hips and all that stuff that like baseball. Oh, we're not doing biomechanics. Yeah, yeah. like the, the biomechanics stuff because like, you know, people, people don't like stats. Stats don't work. I don't like biomechanics. Exactly. Um, but I feel like hockey, well, we know hockey is, is slow to change. So I don't know if that would ever be the case. I think the big, the, for me, when it comes to like, why is the butterfly count? Why have I changed my opinion on like not doing it? It's because we like every movement as a goalie is kind of bad. Yeah. And so it's, it's at, at that point, it's, you're, you're like, well, you need to have some adaptation because you have to mm-hmm. be able to withstand those forces. And so you have to be able to control it over time, which is also typically why younger kids skate less and you kind of skate more as you, as you get older. But to compare it as a pitch count would be like, well, it's like you'd have to count every time the pitcher moved their shoulder throughout the day. Like, oh, like every time they eat food, you're like, well, you're, you know, you're flexing your shoulder and, and it, it, which isn't even the equivalent of like a T push and stop, which we know from the one paper that, uh, that we have is worse from the hips, the stopping part portion, at least, um, than the butterfly. So do we set up T pushing rule? Like it, then it just becomes so outrageously nuanced that in, in my opinion, it's just like, okay, let's just not skate as much. Or let's structure drills that aren't just shot after shot after shot after shot after shot. Let's just do like one quick flow drill and then get into some game-like stuff. Or save yeah. the repetitive butter size for a goalie session. Yeah, and that's exactly my point. Like that's where I come to in this conversation. And and that's what, um, and we'll, we're going to have a, a, a scientifically backed, you know, blog post. So as scientifically backed as those can be. We have a blog post coming up explaining the details of this conversation right here. But that's what it comes down to. It's that it's not that it's not a, a good idea. It's a fine idea. Like if the intention's good behind counting how many actions a goalie's doing. And like there's reasons to do that from like a workload and training load perspective. But when it comes to like a health and development aspect, it's too complicated and there are simpler solutions, right? The simpler yeah. solutions are to to do less. Right. So in practice, Jimmy, we talked about this endlessly. I'd say probably twenty-five percent of our podcasts have contained this fact. If you're a goalie and your team does lots of flow drills, it is okay to stand on your goal line and actively track every puck without going down in a butterfly. You don't have to butterfly on flow drills, right? There are you, you need to watch the puck. You need to track the puck. You need to still make saves, but you don't need to go up and down 50 times in a flow drill. Yeah, I, for me, like, like you said, if you're doing a lot, if majority of your practice is flow, I would agree with that. If the first five minutes is flow, for me personally, I, I would disagree. I would say like, look, you can, you know, try on those shots, get warm, feel good, because you know that this is the only bit of rapid, you know, rapid rapid shots or like more repetitive shots that are, are less uh, game situational. And I think, you know, as we say this, someone watching as a, or someone listening or watching um, as a goalie might be like, oh, okay, well, we're not giving you the green light to like not try. Yeah, that's like, not this, this is very like very act like uh, active and purposeful like practice. And if your coach or your team is one of those ones that has a lot of flow, we would suggest talking to your coach and kind of explaining what you're doing, why you're doing it. And oftentimes, if a coach hears that, uh, hopefully, um, if you know if they're a, a good coach and good at making drills, they might change a little bit of that structure of the drill. Or it gives them, you know, an understanding, okay, there's a reason why you're standing on the goal line, you're not going over to, down every shot, so you don't have to get yelled at or, or or whatever it is. And I think it's it's a tricky conversation. I, I got an email from a, a parent that was explaining basically this situation, and I tried to ar- articulate how tricky it is to have this conversation. Um but I would say it's important to have that open line of communication between whether you're the goalie or the goalie parent and the coach in terms of the why you're doing things and and like that what can be done that's slightly better in a way that doesn't necessarily hinder the player development too. Because it's easy to be like, oh, we should just only do power play drills or two-on-ones or whatever. But it's like, well, what's going to be the best for the players? And then it's kind of like, well, we what? And then that's a whole different discussion. Well, that's like, again, that's a pretty simple discussion, right? Like, <laughs> well, yeah, I think the answer is, especially at younger ages, there needs to be more isolated skill work. And what I mean by isolated is, I mean, I don't mean like, okay, we're going to do, you know, sharp turns around cones. I mean, it's okay to do forwards and D specific drills and having goalies doing specific things. 
Again, hockey is one of the only sports that doesn't do this actively very well. Go watch a soccer practice. Go watch a baseball practice. Go watch a football practice. Right? All of those sports do position-specific drills all the time. Right? Hockey's the, hockey's the slow one here. And it's, look, a large part of that is a lot of minor hockey teams don't have regular access to goalie coaching. We know this. Right? And that's one of the major limitations is they don't have access to that. Sometimes a team won't have access to coaches who feel comfortable doing skill drills in general. And that's, again, that's now just, we're back to the commentary on minor hockey, mm -hmm. um, right? But that's like something that can can be done, right? Is, yeah. that would be better. Anyway, yeah, that's well, that, yeah we're kind of, we're actually tying it into what one of the next question was where um, they're like, what do you think the problem is? Your, well, actually, one of the questions was, do you think there's too many goalie coaches and I had, but I'll, I'll save that for what I wanted, but it was, a, I can't remember that I should have wrote these down. I was kind of going off the freestyle top of my head. Brutal. Brutal. I know I'm the worst, but essentially I was like Ben said, I think one of the biggest issues in North American goalie development is the lack of consistent goalie coaches in the organization. Um, and that just comes down to money and, and oh, it's just money because like, if you think about it in a perfect world, you have, you know, I don't know, Toronto Marlies or whatever. It's the first one off the top, man. Toronto Marley's big organization. If some, if you had one person who was in charge of goalie development and they had other goalie coaches that are qualified working alongside them, that one person oversees that, has a grand plan, a grand structure, and it's implemented and everything can be done in house. But that would also, that would require hiring at least one person to step away from their private training and work exclusively with those goalies and they'd have to have a salary that matches whatever or exceeds what the 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 incentive is of doing your private training. And so that isn't feasible for most organizations. Um, and if you explained it, you know, there's only two goalies on a team. It's not like you're going to have the goalies pay, pay that. You'd have to have the, the, the player or the parents of the players pay extra in order to get that goalie training. And I don't, I just don't see that being able to fly. The only way that it would work in my mind is if it goes to a more European structure where there's the local towns and communities and cities, they end up putting money, which means tax dollars into that development. And I just don't, definitely not in the States, uh, but I don't see that. Yeah, no, I, that's, I don't see that happening. So that is why, or you need a goalie coach to win the lotto and want to do it. Or they have. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> I feel like you have a unique situation in American hockey where you get to work with consistent goalies throughout an organization, mm -hmm. which is, again, that is atypical for, very, for, it is for, very atypical. for club level hockey in, in North America, right? Because because in, it, and so I'm here, I apologize for cutting you off. I'm saying that it is very atypical where I get to do, do both so heavily, but I'm doing both so heavily involved in the team side because... I want to be a part of that role yeah. and I want, I want it to be, this is the, um, I, I don't know, the trial, the trial, the thesis, the whatever, like, let's see if it does this work, like can over the course of the next 10 to 12 years, can one organization produce a statistically significant amount of junior, I'd say junior A, uh, tier two, junior A to college level goalies and can I put some data on the table? It's not just a numbers game where it's like, you know, you live in Toronto, there's just so many people, they're going to end up with a lot of good goalies versus can I take kids in the organization and how many per the organization? So that's that's why that situation is unique. And I'm very fortunate to be able to kind of like slowly grow that. And as I get more time, uh, it would be more time invested into each of those goalies. Yeah, that wasn't what I was going with. That was a nice little monologue. Oh. Well, what were, what were you going to go with? I was, all I was going to say is that uh, it's like, it's really challenging in the sense that like for an organization to step forward and be able to have that offered for the same, you know, goalie age down, right? Like I've been fortunate enough to work with a number of organizations that we have contracts with where we, we do their, what's called their goalie development. And that doesn't. Um, you know, that's not always a super consistent thing, right? Like it's where what is able to be offered by uh, organizations top down is probably not uh, equivalent to like the level that you'd expect, right? But we, right? Like, and in a perfect world, let's, let's, again, 
on a perfect world, you have two goalies on a rep team, right? Mm. On your on your rep team, whatever level you want to call it. Your goalie coach, you want to be out with them at least what one hour a week? I'd say that's like probably I, the minimum. Absolute minimum. Right. And that's my point at the absolute minimum. The way most and I can only talk about how it's structured out here in our in my area. So kind of in like southeast Ontario. Most organizations give like an allocation to to goaltenders or their teams for a season, right? Mm -hmm. And most of the times that gets teams about 10 sessions, right? So you get, yeah, you get 10 weeks by the course of a 52 week year. And realistically, the season's probably like 26 at weeks of the past six months, right? September through March. So let's call it 26 weeks, Mm -hmm. right? So you're going to see a goalie on average once every 18 days. And then now it's a, an hour, but it's 50 minutes because there's a flood. So you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things. Um, you look at papers about practice time for goaltenders in soccer, for goalkeeper data. And you see these studies for organizations where they're like, on average, each goaltender received 200 minutes of goalkeeper training per week. Goalkeeper specific training. 200 minutes. Uh, it, it's so funny because I, I guarantee someone's listening or watching right now and being like, you guys just always talk about Europe. Well, <laughs> you know what? In, in they When it comes to sport and development, they do a better job in, all, Jeremy, in a lot of different aspects. Jeremy, how many NHL goalies, how many goalies were drafted in this year's NHL draft? I know you don't know. I You're right. I, you know I don't know, but I know that you know. Yeah, it's 26. Jeremy, how many of those came from North America? Six. It was 10. Oh, that's a... Yeah, but it's not good. No. So, sub 40% from, right? So mm-hmm. not only are teams, and this is not any commentary on the quality of goaltending in North America. It is the model that mm-hmm. NHL teams are looking at, and we've talked about this before. They're seeing what the development pathway looks like for European players, and they know it's a stronger and a safer pathway for them to take a player, especially a goalie. Yeah. And like, if you're listening right now and you're like, Ben, how can you... Ben talks to a lot of scouts and a lot of NHL teams. And this is things that have been, you know, Ben, Ben is, Ben is in the know more than he likes to, he likes to say. So it is, it is very true. And the European model for athletic development, not specifically in hockey, but in almost all sports in our minds and a kind of, as an evidence is showing, it just makes more sense. Yeah, it's, it's again, like the, the biggest thing, and this is something, again, and people, again, we talk about Hockey Canada a lot. We think they've done a lot of not great things um, for what, but they've done a lot, yeah, Ooh, understatement. But they've also, again, made some changes that I think from a scientific approach are, are really good. Um, and one of the things that they base their approach on is, is they look at what's been going on in Finland, right? Finland, it's a country of sub 5 million people. And look at the product of professional Finnish hockey players. It's crazy. Yeah. Right? Like the the ratio of how many people play hockey in Finland, to how many people there are in Finland, to how many people go on to play professional hockey in North America from Finland is massive. They do this amazing job. And so it's hard to not look at the models and the way that they do things and say, okay, well, what can we learn from that? Because it'd be silly not, Right. Uh, and, and that's one of the big things. And, and we talked about this before. If people can go back and listen um, to Jamie did an interview with one of his goalies at Michigan Tech, Max Varanand. Am I pronouncing that right? I believe so. Oh, nice. Um, it's a great interview. If you haven't listened to it, go back and check it out. It's from the summer. And there's a lot of insight to understand about the Finnish system and how different it is. And so it's never going to be that way in North America. It's never going to happen. We're too deep into it right now. Uh, but it's important to acknowledge that they have more science, they have more research, they have better results. And so there's stuff to be learned from them. Uh, you know, that's actually a good point. So there's, when I, when I coached over in Finland and hopefully I had to go back again, cause it was just an incredible experience. I learned a lot from a lot of other coaches. Um, I should, you know, I'm going to reach out to some of those coaches and, and have them on the pod and pick their brains. Cause we have one, we have one that is the head guy for a, like a, like a Finnish elite team. And then we have another one who coaches in the the minor system, not really the minor system, but more of the youth system. And to hear the stories of development, but most the biggest takeaway for me in that is a lot of collaboration. And then it is a lot of it's it's a lot of volunteers of qualified people. That's and and, and so it's like and so again, we 
We're not going to go into the socioeconomic differences between those <laughs> countries that make it access easy or easier Your politics yeah. for people to be able to give up their time uh, versus you know living in, in North America where it's it's more difficult to to give up your free time unless you you know have a better situation than others. Um, that, that that does play a massive role. But I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the page and I'm going to hold on, John. Uh, hold on, hold oh, on. Oh, sorry. Continue. We're going to take a break right here. Okay. So everyone deal with, please enjoy the next 30 seconds here. Uh, you can listen to the ads, but you also don't have to. Jamie, see you on the other side of this one. And if you want to sponsor this ad, you just let us know. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jamie. We're back from our ad break. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Got to pay the bills. That's the way it is. You do. Uh, uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately. I don't... Uh, we're not doing a good job of that. <laughs> no, that's okay. Okay, let's just <laughs> hop back in. Let's hop back and do it enough. Yeah, that's good. Uh, this is a question, and it's an interesting question. I don't fully know where it's going to go, mm -hmm. uh, but I've had some people ask you this, and some people have asked me this as well, something that we talk about regularly. Are there too many goalie coaches right now? I get actually get asked this quite a bit. And so I have had a few a little bit of time to to stew on this one. Um the answer is no. In terms of objectively, are there too many goalie coaches? No, I don't think so. Um I think there are a lot of we just talked about how so many teams need goalie coaches to be involved and there's not enough time so that we just we answered our question earlier i do think that the barrier to entry is is too low and not and not i don't want to i want to phrase this in, in like a correct be, way be careful i just i i wish again when you look at the european model of coaching oftentimes in a lot of countries there are specific degrees in coaching and if you want to work with high level athletes you need to go through the the rigmarole of one education mm -hmm. and the time spent working with young kids and working your your way up. Now you might be listening and be like, "Well, Jamie, well you just hopped right into to coaching Division One." And I and I, would, I would agree. That's a very very good point. I mean, I did coach for the time I was like fifteen. That, you know, out on ice for a lesson. So like, I I would also disagree with that. But I think that when it comes to the barrier to entry is I wish that there was some sort of, there was actually like a good, almost cert certification across the board that had some consistent message. So I guess Hockey Canada has theirs. I know they have some, and I know I've heard from various people, it's not great. Same with USA yeah. Hockey. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, I've heard many things from many people, but I've heard that USA Hockey's is not that good. Uh, I've heard many things that Hockey Canada should answer my emails and let me do their certification. Moving on. Yes. Anyways, and also USA Hockey too. But I think should, <laughs> should you reach out to me. But I think a lot of it, it, it just like a lot of basic things that are, I guess, things that we would think ba basic because we do have like, a, you know, a kind of ridiculous, way too overqualified for a lot of things, sort of. Um, you know, I wish there was a course that talked about a lot of science background and the understanding and then the coaching application like how mm -hmm. how do you coach how was how do you communicate like what are the important things um you know there should be a little bit of biomechanics like goalie biomechanics like understanding how does the body actually work 
it's one thing to be like, just do this, but you have to understand like, why should you do this? Well, what are the pros and cons of doing this? Is there a better way? Is this the best way? So like a lot of that, I think would help a lot, but no, I don't think there's too many goalie coaches. Um, I guess, is that possible that there ever would be one? Maybe, uh, ultimately the, cre the, the cream really rises in these situations. Yep. Um, look at in, in anything in life, whether it's like personal trainers or, or whatever, like the, the best people will always be the best. There's going to be a reason they're going to produce the best goalies. They're going to have the best rapport and people will continuously go to them. But I do think in terms of the basic understanding of all the, the very wide umbrella that comes into sports performance. And they were just not just saying goalie coaching because sports goalie coaching is sports performance. That whole umbrella I think there needs to be some sort of better way that all coaches need to take that. And then if they want to go and do their own thing after that, they can do whatever they want, but they at least have been, everyone has all been educated on the same basic principles and then go from there. So that's, that's my opinion, but to answer the, the, the main question, no, there's not too, there isn't too many goalie coaches. Ben, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree. So like I did this summer, this past summer, I went through like the Hockey Canada coaching for, for goaltending. So again, like if people probably know this, there's no, like you can just be a goalie coach. Like there's nothing you need to do, right? You can just, there's you know, no training. Like if you go to work at Tim Hortons, like you have to go and like learn and like the basics of it, you can just start coaching. Yeah. And like, obviously probably people who do that probably have a background in it and yeah, understand it, sure. but you can just start coaching. Right. But I did the, I did kind of the first parts of the hockey Canada coaching and when I did the course it was like the first one ever offered by the GTHL so like the greater Toronto Hockey League um and it was it was great to see the amount of people in the room um I think I'm I think there was about 20 of us that day I think I was the only one who was like actually working as a goalie coach who was in that room um so I thought that was pretty cool like there's lots of people who were the one a lot of people were like yeah I'm an assistant coach for a U13A team, and I really just want to be able to help support our goalies a little bit more. That's why I'm here. I like I that. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I was amazed by that. Like, I was so impressed. And uh, I think, and again, so like this course, like 50 bucks, not expensive. Like Hoggy Kanda, and it's only a few hours, so it's a, it's a couple classroom hours and in an hour on the ice. And it's really, it really is a pretty basic introduction to the position it's probably something where I think in a perfect world, it's like a full day. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause I think, I think the amount of time it was run on was probably short for people to get the most out of it. There's just so much that goes into it. Right. And this is what we always talk about is that to, it's probably like, it's probably a week long thing. If you want to learn to actually like, if you've never, if you want to be start becoming a goalie coach and you've never done goalie training, you've never seen anything before. You probably need to go shadow some goalie training. You probably need to, do a lot more to to start your entry into it right it, it's really hard um to to become a, a goalie coach and feel confident i know that i i work with some really great young coaches ones who are just kind of either finishing up their junior careers and are, are done playing uh or people who are still playing and want to get in coaching in their early 20s and these are these are great coaches and great kids who have started um who have been trained and have been doing goalie coaching for a long for like as as goalies themselves so they been a part of being taught and goalie coaching and you know when they transition to first learning how to coach they have tons of hurdles they got to get over when they first start they have tons they need to learn right there'll be goalies who have been doing drills for 10 years and then when they're put on the spot to think of how to coach that goalie in front of them they're like oh my goodness what do i do how do i do this so like a mentorship is if you think about like any yeah you think about like any sort of actual career i guess goalie coaching is an actual career for a lot of people and we it, kinda, is. It, it is for ours but i, I would say for me a little bit right a now. stereotypical yeah. career so like a healthcare or anything yeah you have to have a certain amount of shadowing hours don't get me started on unpaid shadowing hours but you have to have so many of those hours and it is is important to build those reps so it is if you can work alongside or under someone for some time i think that is the offer is like a lot of value especially if you're just starting off and like and then actually i'm gonna quick little tie in one of the questions what's my biggest pet peeves and then we've talked about before is when someone when a coach when a coach says do this because that's how i used to do it or oh yeah 
or like when their argument is that's well, I I played for this many years. It doesn't it, that doesn't mean anything. I just I look at that and I actually just you want to talk about me throwing my phone against the wall. That's what makes me throw my phone against the wall. But just because you played doesn't mean you can coach. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, it's very, very important. And I think and coaching is a skill. Some people are going to be naturally really good at it. And for other people, you're going to have to continue to, to like learn and grow. And for me, like I wasn't naturally good at coaching. Continuously learn and trial and effort. And every single day, there's something new that I'm learning and tweaking. And it's, it's really important. So uh, I forgot where I was going. Oh, a mentorship. Yeah. So like having a mentor to learn after and to be able to correct you and to give you feedback is important because if you are the only coach, if you are your own business, your own entity, there, it, you have to be self-reflective and, it, and le- it's very hard unless you're recording all your sessions and watching yourself back and coaching yourself. And it's even, it's really difficult to coach yourself in anything or let alone coaching. So to have a mentor, to be able to be there to assist you, I think that that's like a really important thing. So it's almost like if I had to put a suggestion on top of that, some sort of certification course, there would be like, you you know, you have to shadow so many hours from a, a hockey can or USA hockey certified coach. And then that coach has to be like, yeah, thumbs up. But also that wouldn't work either because we look at yeah. the private spectrum, the goalie, private goalie world. And then it's like, well, I don't want that competition. So I'd never give them the thumbs up. So it's messy. All in all, we should all just beat Europe. <laughs> yeah like i think i think my the biggest thing i'll say about this is that i think we need more goalies more community involvement more coaches on teams trying to learn about goaltending like i said i was so impressed by the number of people who had gone out of their way to sign up for that hockey canada goalie skills coach that that first step in that process right i don't think it's enough time and i don't think that's hockey canada's fault i don't think that's anyone's fault I think it's just pragmatic. Like it's something yeah. you just need some ideas. Uh, and there's a I hockey can the hockey can drills app they provide you with. And so like there's good resources there. It's just it's just like all things. Time is a resource, and so it's yeah. I need to go in there. Uh, I actually have a solution for. Uh, we talked about before. The organization has a head of goalie development. Exactly. Who oversees other coaches, and so that mentorship time. So you have you know you say you live in uh, wherever. I, you're, you're in Oshawa. So yeah. let's just say the Oshawa Generals and the Oshawa Junior Generals are all part of the same thing. So the goalie coach of the Oshawa Generals is in head in charge of development through there. All the other goalie coaches, whether they're contracted or however it works, you know, they oversee it. Those that want to be new to the goalie coaching, they go on the ice and they watch how the guy coaches the, the OHL team. And then they get their practice with like the U10s. And, and it just it builds from there again more of a european model but i think that that's that that in my mind that that's a good solution to the pro the, to the issue expense not even an expensive one uh it just you the organization would have to want to do it yeah i think like again i think some kind of person in the organizational level being responsible um for overseeing that i think is just is a good solution however implementations are also this is the last year of the Oshawa junior generals jamie no more Really? What Arlington's uh, amalgamating officially announced on Friday, the North shore white caps. Ooh, I like that name. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's cool. So crack colors too. So Clarington Toros. Yep. Gone. No longer. No more. No longer AAA. Clarington gone. Oshawa gone. Central Ontario gone. I think North oh. Central's gone as well. So Richmond Hill folded last year. We're losing, so, we're losing hockey teams. So four teams are becoming one or two. Uh, Central is just gone. Okay. All their people are being reassigned to different places. And then Oshawa and Clarendon's folded together. This would be a good topic for another episode, especially if we can get someone in from like Ontario hockey, because a lot of large cities, Hamilton, for example, Hamilton has almost, almost a million people went from two AAA teams to one. Yep. And so is the quality of that product going to be really good? Team going to be really good? Oh, Probably. It's hard not to be. You just take the best players from two teams and put on one team. But what does that mean for the the other half of kids? So that's really interesting. We should get someone on because I'm curious about that. Got some takes on that. We'll save them later. Jim, we got one more question to get through. Okay. I want to actually get through. This might be our longest episode ever. Uh, What was the question? You had it. Yeah, but now I kind of 
for forgot. Oh, no. oh uh, I got it. Our good radio right here. Uh, I had a great radio here. Um, did nothing like some good dead air and some umps. Uh, <laughs> our goalie's too robotic. Uh, I think this is said by every ex-goalie in their 50s who played high school hockey in my comments. <laughs> our goalie's too robotic. Ben, are they too robotic? I had a conversation this morning uh, with a junior goalie today. Uh, good goalie, really, really talented, really, really skilled goalie. Uh, and it was my exact words were blocking is dead. No one blocks anymore. Blocking is a dead art. Don't use wait, it. Wait, he said that. I said this. Oh, no, you said he that. He didn't say this. No, <laughs> no. I it was like a, the drill we were doing was a little like pop out simulation, almost like a down low, low to mid, where it's like you get into your post, pop out for the in tight quick hit. Mm-hmm. And Classic, beat him under the hand on shot one and then beat him over the shoulder on shot two. Love it. The, the little razzle dazzle. Uh, <laughs> but all it was is is because his hands were back, right? He wasn't attacking. He wasn't smothering the puck in tight. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the number one thing. And this is going to be maybe silly to say. The number one thing that to me says that goalies are not robotic. You watch how skillfully goalies play in tight sequences with their hands their shoulder positioning their pads it is remarkable you want to see robots look at jsg gear from 2004 that was butterfly block he oh, was together though yeah stanley never forget he had a 980 save percentage in a playoff series you're gonna get he lost the stanley cup and won the consoles crazy doesn't matter 980 save percentage in a playoff series letting one goal in four games um, or two goals in four games or something. It was crazy. But the point is, like, go watch goalies play stuff in tight. Go watch Jay Godinger. Go watch J- uh, Joseph Wall. Go watch UC Soros. Please watch them play in tight sequences. Please watch their hands. Yeah. They were, I like they to call were, that, yeah, I, the smothering. Robots. Yeah, the smothering. I, I think that blocking, I, I do, blocking is dead. It's more of an active block. So yeah, rather than letting the puck Rather think about rather than letting the puck hit you, which was the old style of, of blocking that was successful for many years, it's you are now at it's cause it's kind of ridiculous to explain because it's basically the explanation of how do you make a save, but it's getting yourself in position to get hit. Yep. Versus if we yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's a complete oxymoron, an active block. Complete oxymoron. But that that that's what it is. Um it, it, and then along the lines of that is our goalies too robotic? I I actually would say yes, goalies are robotic, but not in a negative connotation. They're robotic because it's it's been established as the most efficient way to stop the puck. Yeah. There's a reason that goalies go down in every shot. Like we've talked about many times, we've made many Instagram videos of this. Um, there's a reason that goalies play a similar style and the guy, the Hasics and, and those styles die out um, because, or there are a Dream outliers who, for whatever reason, have these things. But even Hasek had a pretty solid butterfly fundamental. He just the rebounds he just rolled around. He just did. He just did barrel roll two pad stacks, and people were using yeah. like the original silver synergy. They couldn't lift the puck. Yeah, it's good stick though. <laughs> um, and so it's 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 regressed to the mean. So all the goalies play a similar style because that is the most efficient. You look at basically like everything. In every sport, everything kind of becomes a little similar until something better comes along and then people adapt it. And, and that's just, if, if we look at like the, what's coming along that's better, I would say that more Russian style of goaltending seems to be working very well. Be, and it's for like, but you have to be like a very niche outlier type of athlete to be able to play that style. But the, Will that catch on? I don't know. But the butterfly goalies are robotic in a good way because they've we figured out how to be pretty good. Consider yeah, so I, yeah, I have I, like two things to add there. The first one is have you noticed that every single car, new car looks the same now? Like every yeah. single every single car company has the same SUV crossover. They're identical, right? That's because when someone finds the most efficient and optimized way to play within a specified rules or regulation set, this is what happens. You get similar products, right? So every SUV and crossover looks the same because they have 
emissions requirements. They have aerodynamics that they need to follow. They have the amount of space that customers want, right? Yes. That's kind of the same thing with goaltending is, well, we have rules of the game of hockey that currently exists. So we have the trapezoid, you know, you can't cover the puck outside the crease without a piece of your body kind of near it. Like there's all these rules of how you need to play. Um, and then there's equipment regulations. Like you add that all together. And so you get how people maximize or optimize how they play within the requirements that they're, they're set out to. So that's my analogy. The second thing that kind of goes back to, to what I think people say when they see things are robotic. I think what happens is we see, and this one, I actually really don't like this term, but I know what people say, like goalie school goalies, where they're excellent drill goalies. And then like a single shot happens in a game and their brain explodes and just like their shots from the top of the circle start flying in from everywhere. I think what happens there is that's just the differentiating factor between like really good goalies who are going to make it to the higher levels and just pretty good goalies, right? Like this idea of a goalie school goalie, I think that's the wrong definition of it. I think that's someone who is trained and might be at kind of the best they're going to be. Right. I think it's, I don't think it's fair to say that like, oh, you know, had that person not been drilled and dialed in so much that they'd be better. Right. I think that's actually heading down the wrong direction. I think what what's happening is because so we've raised the floor so high in goaltending and that really happened through the early mid 2000s to what we see now in modern goaltending. I think we've raised the floor of the quality so much now that the bare minimum is so much higher than it used to be. That now when like goalies are getting beaten, you're like, well, how do you get beat there? He looks like he's in the right spot. He moves so well. Yes, because that's the minimum floor now. You yeah. have to be able to do that. Then you have to add the next things that make you stand out. That excellent pack trucking, that excellent pack trucking, puck tracking. That, that, <laughs> that excellent, the excellent skating, the excellent decision making. All that stuff that then layers on to make goalies elite from, you know, junior level or triple A level who takes them to the next level. So that goalie school goalies, there's nothing wrong with that. That person's just playing to their abilities, right? Do I think training can be improved? Absolutely. Yeah. I was, I was, I was going to, I was going to say that. I think that's both a differentiating factor between goalies that are like, have, have, quote unquote here, have potential versus those that don't and a combination uh, of the quality of go of coaching but sometimes you can't coach that out of somebody yeah and, and like, so then you have to understand like okay like if, so if you're just doing drills yep. and you're not providing coaching then you're probably going to end up more likely you're going to end up with goalie school goalies versus mm -hmm. some of this that's a coach that's teaching and uh, communicating yeah. articulating yeah. understanding but you also might not yeah and then it's like oh and then it's like okay well Yes, but I do think that a lot of that comes down to some goal, some goal, some athletes just, just get it. And it's actually, this is, this is really, it's funny because I was listening to, uh, like Ben and I both like enjoy weightlifting. I was listening to, there's a big company out there called Weightlifting House. I was listening to their podcast. And one of the things they were talking uh, about was the sport of weightlifting and how it's the, one of the only sports that for Olympic caliber sports that the average fan of the sport also participates in heavily. Like yeah. if you, if you and I watch the NFL, like, okay, we play flag football every now and then maybe once every seven years. Yeah. But like, but we're not going out and we're not playing football. Whereas in like weightlifting, you go out and you weight lift, which is exactly what they do. And you, tr you train and think that what I, the point I was getting at is the fans or, or just the general enthusiast is doing a similar amount of training as the best in the world. We're not going to yep. talk about for any drugs, but there's a reason that they, people are just better. Oh yeah. And those people are always going to be better. So even if you just do drills with no instruction, you're going to have a percentage of that of goalies who are going to just be better and better in games. And our job as coaches is to try to make that as small as possible to even the playing field to build upon those that are naturally better better, and build upon those that need the extra attention and the extra understanding. And then ultimately the cream again will rise. And so I think it's really important that genetics and, and like just the it factor really yep. 
is there for some athletes and that's just the way life's at life and athletics are yeah so like i'm really fortunate uh i get to work with uh dr joe baker and dr nick wadier who are two people who i get to work with in, in the academic setting and for those people who don't know who those are there are some of the bigger if not biggest names in the field of talent identification and athlete selection and it's something that they both say all the time uh, so something that i get to hear every week is that sometimes it doesn't matter how hard you work like you are limited some by your genetics you are limited by your environment those are realities right so it's not fair to say if you work hard you can achieve anything that's not true if you work hard you're more likely to achieve things yes please continue working hard you need to work hard because you also don't like yeah it, you don't know what you can and can't achieve until you get there right and so like and again this is a pretty good example is it's me sitting right here with you right so jamie's here, you're older than me uh for people who Somehow, maybe don't know this. Jamie and I trained together every summer and during the winter since we were like 13 or 14. Basically, every Saturday and Wednesday. First, between like ages, yeah, 13, 14, and 21, 22. Like right? Eight or nine years. Yeah. And so, and then summers, and this is not just on ice. This was off ice workouts, mm-hmm. uh, lots of stuff together, right? And I always tell people the story, maybe not on air, but there was just this this one year. Uh, I had come back from my first year at prep school. Uh, Jamie had just finished uh, his second year triple A. No, no, this is junior. This is when you were playing junior. So did my first or second year at junior? Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I, I, you know, I just I've been going off, and Jamie was going off to maybe play out in the BCHL, and it was that summer. And I just turned to my dad one day, and I was like, "Dad, I don't know what happened. He's just so much better than I am." Like, it was just like one of those things where it's like, I was always trying to play keep up with you. And it's, that's normal for training partners, right? Someone's a little older, a little bit big. Like, again, you're trying to play keep up with the older goalies. But it was just like one day, it was just like, okay, wow, it's not close anymore. Right? And we did pretty similar amounts of training our whole life. And you started playing goalie long like, before I did. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, exactly. And so, again, like, it's just one of those ones where I look at it and I try, and I do try to explain the overall development and I can't, I can't put a finger on it it's a multitude of factors of course it is but a lot of it too is like I felt I always felt like I was behind the eight ball because I started late mm-hmm. so I would always compare myself to you and comparison is the thief of joy so there's a reason <laughs> probably why even now to this day I don't feel that rewarding when I do successful things because I'm always like well what's next what's next what's that well, my whole life it's like, okay, what can I do? So it's grind and grind and grind. And even when I got to the point where like I, I passed, passed you and others in potential and, and actual skill, it's like, it didn't stop. And I, and so it's just one of those things where it's like, how do you, how do you, like, how can I teach that to a kid? I can't. Yeah. And my parents didn't teach me that. I just, I just wanted it. Yeah. Right. And so like, yeah. And so. And again, there's again, that's the thing, right? So you're right. Yes, good coach, good coaching helps, right? Great coaching, yeah. We had we had we had excellent we had, coaching. We had good coaching, yeah. Biggest advantage, yeah. Yeah. So good coaching helps, right? Genetics helps. The team you play on and the teams you play against, that competition, that helps, right? There's so many different pieces that it's always going to be hard to pinpoint something. And so again, this started with the conversation around like a goalie school goalie, right? It's because for a lot of coaches, and this is not saying anything bad about their coaches. It's about how do we quickly get goalies to that same base level? How do we quickly get them to like that minimum threshold that everyone else is getting to, right? And I think, again, sometimes we will go, I say we as a collective goalie coaches, but I think sometimes that rushes people away from thinking and understanding into just doing, right? And we've talked a lot about that the past few weeks, um, Jamie. Is that you know this need to understand why what's going on because if you try to understand the why behind goaltending when you're 17 or 18 it's a little bit too late yeah right? you 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 need to get there early and so yes good coaching and good teaching can help that but uh, yeah goalies aren't that you don't it's the roboticism and what people see is again it's the combination of efficiency it's the combination of what's the reality of how do you get training and where do you find training right. I think all those pieces that end, right? again, we talk about this. If you're in a community where there's one goalie coach and they coach blocking, that's the style they coach, right? That's like what you're going to be able to learn. Yeah. 
Right. And some someone's gonna be better at blocking than someone yeah. else. Yeah, right. And I mean that's the other day that's the other thing too. One day I looked over and Jamie's six foot four and I was like, wait a second, my mom's five one. I don't have a chance. Yeah, that's, I don't know how that happened. Actually, my dad's not my dad was like six one. Give me that's six foot two. No, he well, he probably used to be. He's definitely shrunk significantly <laughs> at his old age. Uh my mom's my mom is taller than my dad. My mom's like five five. That's not true. You're making this stuff. She's not tall. My mom's not that tall. All right. We're getting the tape measure out at Christmas. Uh, <laughs> but and I was to say, Jamie, like this is a kind of kind of our, our far tangent here. But yeah, this roboticism thing, yes, goalies all look similar because butterflies are good and butterfly slides are good. And even that darn RVH is good. Uh, so I love it. I love uh, it. A couple of RVH videos in the pipeline from Instagram today, if I ever get around to editing them. Uh, talking about our boy, Joseph Wool, stemming from the conversation that you and Derek had in our group chat when I was sleeping and I woke up and I was like, ah, I missed it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Please send me clips. I got one, la- one last thing before we wrap up and before we hit our usual things. I'm at my my junior hockey game, uh, my junior team's game last night. So I shout out to my goalie, Andrew Clotten. Uh, 43 of 44 last night. He was oh, fantastic. Man. Good night. Really, really good night. Uh, he was excellent. Uh, we've been working on a lot of overlap stuff and he is just like, taken off with it running like so so good anyways uh last night wide net drive towards the net and uh the guy steps out kind of like he beats the d wide kind of comes towards the underside of the circle and then kind of cuts along the goal line mm-hmm. and i don't know why this happened but he stays on his my goal stays on andrew stays on his feet against the post so he is standing up and the guy goes bar down over his shoulder as he's Ending up, it just RVH'd. And I, I, <laughs> it was look, shout out to this guy. Um, it was a nice shot, it was in tight. He just popped it up, and I just was so confused. And all I could think about was you in that moment. I was like, if that was an RVH, you like, I could just feel your phone vibrating, like random people in Uxbridge, Ontario sending you text messages being like, you just missed this RVH short side goal. There's uh, a, there's a, he, a, he stood up. So I Jamie, Jamie, I leave you with this. Is standing up bad too. I think it, I think we should just never be in our stance. Yeah. I, he wasn't, he was standing pretty much straight up shoulder to the post. Yeah. It's yeah. You're not, <laughs> Oh God. We had a goalie coach. It's just so crazy. I wish it, it's just not black and white. And that just yeah. is what it is. But uh, this might be our longest ever running podcast. We went for a long time today. But we had, we had a lot to talk about. We have actually about 20 more questions that we just didn't get to because we took too long. So we'll have to save them for another one. But if you do have questions, um, email Ben and not me. And then uh, we'll have to answer them. But thanks for listening, watching. For those that we are in the top five in your Spotify wraps. Thank you. Thank you. If you don't have Spotify and you have Apple or other things, thank you as well. I don't, I don't know if they do wrapped. Uh, I'm a Spotify guy. And for those, a few people that watch on YouTube with us on silent, but just in the background for the algorithm, incredible stuff. Incredible. We love that. Thank you guys so much. Jamie, I was thinking about this one more thing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I know we're running late. No. I know this is a long one, but people, thank you so much for listening. I was just thinking if I wanted to get more <laughs> premium content from you, what, sh- what should I do? You should subscribe to my Patreon, or just come and skate. One or the other. Uh, yeah, come to Grand Rapids and skate, or subscribe to my Patreon. Patreon's probably a little bit easier, a lot less travel. Uh, lots of good content on there. There's this week, when you watch this, this will come out on Tuesday the 5th. You're really bad at time. It's horrible. I know, that's the 5th. Yeah, it's the 5th. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good stuff on the Patreon pipeline today and over Christmas. So, Go give us a subscribe. I appreciate the heck out of that. Continues to make good quality. If you want to sponsor the podcast, sponsor a single episode, you just reach out to one of us and we'd love to get that going because it just keeps the whole thing running. And for those watching on YouTube, everyone, and for those listening, say thank you to my brother who got me a new mic for Christmas, early Christmas present. So shout out to, to my brother, Alex, for being an overall great guy and contributing to the podcast. The first sponsor, Summer's Day. You know what, actually, Alex... Did you go talk about the, the most interesting fun fact about Alex and his wife? <laughs> that they're both Alex. <laughs> so Ben's brother, Alex, married his one Alex. An Alex. So Alex Cernick, 
Mr. and Miss, literally, Mr. Mr. Alex Cernick and Mrs. Alex Cernick. That's correct. And so, they're just like, and they're just wonderful people. So if you're in Indiana, uh, go say hi to them. I'm sure there's only like four people there. Yeah. Why don't you come and visit and then stop by because the, GR is in the way. And that's talking geography with the Golden <laughs> <Man. Okay. laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, watching everyone. We do truly, truly appreciate it. And we'll talk to everyone next week. Until next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 